Welcome to a new episode of the Fieldwork Podcast. I am Zach Johnson, and I farm in West Central Minnesota. And I'm Mitchell Hora. I'm a farmer from Southeast Iowa. Thanks to the Walton Family Foundation for supporting season three of Fieldwork. Hey, Mitchell, do you remember the first time that your dad or maybe your grandpa let you drive a tractor? Oh, yikes. I don't really remember. More so, I remember the first time that I had to mow the yard, and uh, that's where I started things out. I got better. Now we got GPS. You know, it's auto steer. We need that for the lawnmower, I think, too. Yeah, we do. Yeah, everybody should have GPS in the lawnmower because that's the most boring thing to drive that there is. Back and forth, back and forth, and then you got to go on an angle. We're talking about tractors here today, and uh, we're going to talk about sustainability, of course, too. But as part of that, we need to have equipment. We got to have equipment that works for whatever new practices we're going to be trying. Turns out that there are folks at the big equipment companies that are just as obsessed with sustainability as we are. We're about to meet one of them. Mark Lowry is director of marketing for the Blue and Yellow Iron, also known as New Holland. What a coincidence it is that the company of New Holland happens to be from New Holland, Pennsylvania. A lot of people are surprised to hear that, but it's actually the company named after the town. So, uh, so we are we're in New Holland, Pennsylvania, in the heart of Amish country in Lancaster County, and our our hay tools plant is situated right there. So, work across the street from where we're manufacturing round balers, dismower conditioners, and the like. Last year, although we had to celebrate it a little differently, it was our 125th anniversary. We started making uh, hit and miss engines and other implements downtown in New Holland, Pennsylvania. So what are you guys making there now? So you're making some of the bailing equipment. Is that what you're just saying? Yeah, we are. So so at our New Holland plant, manufacturing round balers, uh, disc mower conditioners, pull type disc mower conditioners, small square balers. Um, and then we also do uh, pull type forage harvesters, box manure spreaders, and a few other supporting items. So just like every other ag company out there, New Holland is obviously working its way forward, kind of looking to the future. My understanding is you guys have uh, a methane tractor coming. Tell us about that. That's right. Um, we've really focused on, uh, from a New Holland perspective, alternative fuels. You know, we go back 10 or 15 years to the announcement of uh, integrating biodiesel into all of our equipment um, until it really fast forward to um, Agritechnica in Germany um, in 2019, where we showed our production uh, methane tractor. We have a viable methane solution um, that we're that we're going to have on the ground here um, and be working with some customers yet this year uh, before we move into full production of those units. So Mark, how's the power in this work? Instead of horsepower, now you have cow power or explain how does a methane motor actually work? When we're looking to the future, it's really what does the future of farm energy look like? And so, you know, certainly it's a it's a view on a an energy independent farm. So how do we integrate a, a powered solution, perhaps with an on-farm digester, you know, in order to close that energy loop, so to speak? Um, so cow power might not be far off. Uh, biomass energy crops uh, also right there. Really, the engine technology is focused on providing power that's consistent to what you would experience with diesel. We know nobody's going to be too interested in it uh, if it doesn't deliver the same type and, and working power um, that you would expect. So, you know, our the, the methane tractor that we have available um, delivers uh, around 180 horsepower, which is comparable with the, with the diesel uh, power plant that's in that same frame size of tractor. 
So maybe that leads into my next question here, which is why methane versus, I guess, what I would consider all the rage in the automotive industry, which is electric. Great question. Um, Really, part of it goes back to what I shared earlier is methane gives us the opportunity um, to to close the energy loop on the farm. Um, but we also have a lot of experience with this fuel type with our um, in-house engine company, Fiat Powertrain. The energy density of, of methane gives us the right, I, I guess I should say the right mix in order to, to deliver the expectations. And, and certainly for this mid-range tractor size gives us a, a more viable package that, that can be real on the farm. And not to discount electric you know, as as you said, is the rage in uh, in the automotive industry, but we feel that it provides the right sustainable energy package um, and and helps us solve some other problems that we may have in agriculture as we as we look at electricity. I think electricity does have some options, and we are you know we're certainly exploring those avenues as well. It's just that methane happens to be what we're closest to market to today. And how is that market rollout going to actually work? Like, how are they going to be able to adopt that? methane driven system versus, you know, the diesel system that a lot of them are in today. Do you have to have your own digester on each farm or can you actually like buy methane in bulk too, in order to get the market up and going? Yeah. So we're, we're currently exploring with partners, what the fuel delivery on the farm looks like. And so when we start to come to market with these products, um, it'll really have the element of, you know, let's call it a maintenance and service agreement for what the fuel delivery method to the farm is going to be. Um, it definitely can be integrated with the biodigester, but you know, understand our population of biodigesters in North America might not support uh, all of everybody who wants to have a methane tractor and and the collateral benefits of that. So, um, you know, certainly there are um, plenty of let's say traditional fuel companies um, that are exploring renewable resources of methane as well as traditional resources for now, so that we'll have a solution that can be delivered on farm. And I think your your question, Mitchell, was around you know what what might it look like on the farm. You know, we we in New Holland, Pennsylvania have a have an on-site uh, a, a company farm. Uh, we have 113 acres where we where we feed about 100 head of beef cattle, um, and, and we do some field test work. And so we want to uh, really show what that on-farm solution looks like as we move forward. Which I you know certainly will will be rolling out as we march through 2021 into 2022 as well. Can you explain for the customers, for the farmers like me, the average farmers out there looking at upgrading machinery, you know, why would I choose a methane tractor over diesel? What What's in it for the farmer besides the obvious, you know, environmental implications? Yeah, so I think it's it, that's a great question because it really gets to, okay, what, what customer type are we really looking at or what can this tractor do as compared to diesel? And I think looking at methane, um, really one of the targets was to be at around an eight-hour working target, meaning I can carry enough fuel to work for eight hours. So what does that, um, what does that give me the ability to do? It might exclude some applications, um, but in a mid-range tractor um, format, you know, if I, I, and I guess that's kind of industry speak for that horsepower size, but, you know, does that, does that open me up to, uh, you know, my normal animal feeding, animal feeding maintenance operations around the farm? It also opens up perhaps opportunities for um, municipalities as well for roadside mowing applications where that eight hour target uh, makes a lot of sense. So I think there are different customer types for it, but probably that 
fuel carrying capacity helps answer some of the questions in terms of, you know, target applications and folks can wrap their mind around where that would and wouldn't make sense in their current farming operation. So what are some of the like direct comparison environmental benefits and stuff like that? Like obviously being able to utilize methane is great that there's a lot of concerns around that, but have you guys been doing trials and gathering data and such? So when we start talking about methane, it's about a 10% reduction in CO2. It's an 80% reduction in overall emissions. And really the key point is, you know, we get virtually a zero CO2 profile if we are talking about a biomethane solution. As compared with diesel today, um, you know, certainly that shows some of the benefits from an environmental standpoint. But there also are some, I mean, the other data is what's the what's the collateral benefit in terms of just straight diesel cost. You know, what what do we look like today to to perhaps buy this fueling solution versus diesel? And that can range today. I mean, obviously fuel prices continue to change, but you know, looking at anywhere from a 10 to 30% range in fuel savings when when going to this system. And then obviously we start to think about okay, what's it look like with uh, you know, if I'm able to invest in biodigester, the on-farm storage, all that. I think that that will continue to come as we move forward, but that gives you some of the uh, some of the top level facts on how it compares. So you talk about a 10 to 30% uh, savings in the, uh, in the fuel. What is the initial cost of a tractor like this versus diesel? Good question. And we're, we're just about there on that. I mean, we'll really start commercial production of these units at the end of this year, but we expect the cost to be, you know, as we ramp up production on these units, we really expect it to be pretty much in line with the same horsepower size that we produce today. That's that's really the target, um, is to deliver value to the customer and, and value savings in terms of the fuel input as well. What does the rollout look like? So here, even by the end of 2021, some of these are going to be going commercial. Like how many, how many units and uh, for farmers listening in the Midwest, you know, how soon till, till they really need to be looking at considering maybe this is the right fit for their farm. Yeah, I think our our biggest struggle as we talk about rollout is having the the right number of of units to anticipate um, how many folks are going to be interested. It's definitely going to be limited availability as we go through this year into into 2022. So I don't expect everybody to see them sitting on their New Holland dealers lot yet this year. But I think as we as we roll into next year to have opportunity to, to go and have a pre-order conversation and see what makes sense is definitely on the table. I, I think really, as I sit here today, it's opening up the conversation about the potential market for folks to think about whether it makes sense for their operation to think about the fuel delivery and, and whether or not it supports their operation. And, and we're going to be prepared, you know, certainly by the end of this year to, you know, to fully communicate with folks what availability will be and, you know, what it, you know, what it will look like in their local area. And as a, as a quick follow on to that, what about the availability of the actual fuel? So availability of the tractor is one point and make sure that's going to be viable. But what about the availability of fuel? How do you, how do you build out both? Yeah. And some of that we're not, um, we're not prepared to talk about just yet in terms of who we're partnering with on that subject, but the, the items are definitely moving in tandem, meaning that, you know, it's worthless for us to deliver a tractor that someone can't get fuel for. So we'll have both guidance on, you know, a fueling partner that will have industry partners in order to deliver 
to have an on-farm delivery system um, that I talked about earlier. So you have the economics of based on the potential diesel fuel savings, is this going to make sense for me? And, and for us to have a, a commercial partner to do that is absolutely critical so that we don't have an interruption in fueling or folks understanding whether or not this works for them. We'll be back after a short break. I've got a two-part question on this. So why bring it to the mid-range horsepower tractors first and, and not start smaller or larger for that matter? And then if this goes well, is there a plan to move this into the larger and the smaller categories as well? I think it's uh, definitely uh, definitely the plan to explore other, other tractor segments. This engine size, which is our um, 6.7 liter package just coincidentally happened to be the one that um, is is really the sweet spot for us as a company and as we look globally at the right potential applications for this product it made the most sense in terms of fit so we do plan to look at what other categories it makes sense I think it makes sense certainly to go you know on the smaller end of the range first and then as we as we get bigger um, it, it goes back to you know what are we going to be able to deliver in terms of onboard fuel capacity I mean, is methane the right uh, the right solution for for bigger tractors? I think we, you know, I think we certainly think so, and we need to work through the you know the profile and engineering and testing um, with different engine families to go bigger. But this this was the most the closest package that we have and lines up with the most amount of applications. So yeah, Mark, this sounds like really interesting stuff. But let's pivot a little bit and talk about another major innovation going on in the equipment side, and that's around autonomy. Mm-hmm. What does New Holland have going on when it comes to autonomous equipment? So we came with our concept vehicles really in 2018, 2019, focused on some specific applications. So looking at on our on our T8 tractor size, so as we get around that, you know, 250 to 300 horsepower range, you know, and our autonomous vehicle concept was focused on working in tillage applications. And so we continue that journey. New Holland does a lot of work in specialty equipment. And when I say specialty, I'm talking um, fruit, vineyards, orchards tree nuts, that, those type of crops. And so we also have a concept vehicle um, working in those applications with, uh, with where appropriate in those orchard and vineyard maintenance activities. So we continue to focus on autonomy and that, and, and, and I went there first because that's full autonomy, of course, but we've continued the journey on what we would say of uh, autonomous operation of vehicles where, where an operator is still involved. So, you know, to use combines in a, as an example, Although we, we don't have a, a, you know, a fully autonomous combine product out there, we do have our IntelliSense system that is essentially taking an operator who is not as experienced and giving them the functionality to make the adjustments automatically to deliver um, optimum grain quality out of that combine. So I think we, we continue the journey on autonomy as part of the vehicle and, and really how that happens and continues to evolve is on the, the, the settings to help influence the operator's decisions as, as farm labor or having an experienced operator might be a problem as we continue the journey to full autonomy or the early examples that I shared. So speaking on the journey to full autonomy, what do you see right now that these test vehicles, as you call them, Mm -hmm. uh, what can they do in testing? What have you seen as far as, you know, what these things are capable of right now today? We've done work in tillage and and done work in the 
you know, the fruit orchard vineyard type application. So, you know, essentially those very repetitive tasks that, you know, I don't need a lot of operator input to do. And we could probably list a few of them, but tillage is, is probably the best example. You know, as, as we move forward in what autonomy looks like, it's integration then with the implement that provides either the sensor feedback or the operational feedback to influence the tractor. I think those things continue to expand, but we we certainly want to to stay focused on those very repetitive actions that I don't need an experienced operator to do. And so uh, it's why I still kind of stick to, to tillage is kind of the target and what we're testing in that space. On the specialty crop side of things and what they're doing in, in that realm, what are you seeing them actually do when it comes to the specialty crops, the orchards and things like that? Yeah, so a lot of the testing has been specifically with vineyards for the for the wine drinkers out there. You know, we have repetitive tasks with orchard mowing, grooming, those type of things, um, exploring what uh, spraying and, and orchard trimming can potentially do. So focused on tillage right now, which mm-hmm. I had to plug my ears a little bit, but... But what about some of the other stuff? What what else do you think could be some of the next things where autonomy is really going to take off? And what are some of those other key things that, that could be better automated? You know, we've done autonomous tests on a, a ton of different applications. I mean, even even looking at what it would look like from a from a hay and forage perspective. I mean, my my heart is in hay and forage equipment. So, you know, what would it look like from a from a cutting and baling perspective? I think that what we're able to deliver first, though, has has been the focus in, you know, as I said, what what makes sense with the implement um, and and what doesn't take as much input from the tractor in order to influence the implement and vice versa. So I think everything's generally been on the table where it probably will be commercially viable first. And then, and then we'll move to other items as, as implement capability, um, sensors, implement feedback and control continue to, to escalate. And that's why I shared a little bit, some of the partial autonomy, you know, to give some examples on, Hey, you know, we look at uh, products like our large square baler with our IntelliCruise system that gives basically feedback and commands to the tractor, you know, speed up, slow down, increase capacity. And, and similarly, in what I mentioned on combines, those type of interfaces exist. So that might open up your mind to some of the, you know, some of the capabilities, but it, it really goes down to, to implement control and, and what we can do that isn't going to, you know, create a negative product or an operator still doesn't need to look at, but I, I think we'll continue on that journey. But, you know, some of those, some of those more repetitive actions that don't take a lot of operator influence to influence the quality or result will be the start. Mark, do you remember the Terminator movies? <laughs> I do. So a- as you talk about autonomous tractors, do you ever get nervous that they might become so autonomous that they actually become self-aware and turn against us? I, you know, I don't think so, but I, uh, we're, we'll, we'll keep that in mind to make sure they love people and farmers first. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure that that was part of this plan as we move forward. Absolutely. Hey, train, right. train the robot. Humans are nice. Don't destroy. <laughs> well, and I, think, and I think as we think about the, you know, the human, the human versus machine type elements of this, it, really what drives us more is, is where do we have labor problems in terms of finding experienced and trained, op, trained operators to, um, to work on equipment. And, and you guys might certainly, I'm sure, have a perspective on that in your individual operations. So, you know, our focus when we talk about partial autonomy is, is how do we provide the right feedback and, and right 
uh, machine control so that anybody that gets behind the wheel can produce a, a consistent and good result that that will remove some of the human element in the operation. I mean, I don't think we're, you know, we're not 12 months away from completely re- removing um, humans out of the cab, but it's, it's how do we make sure the machine influences what the operator needs to do so that you're getting the right grain quality so that you're getting the right result out of the crop um, when you aren't able to find the right operators to be in the seat. Quick follow-up on stuff. Um, is part of the autonomous vehicles also going to be methane driven as well? Like, are those two items going to be overlapping? We definitely are pursuing how do our alternative fuel solutions, not just methane, um, but but other solutions, possibly electric, when we talk about smaller tractors, certainly methane, um, how does that integrate into a full autonomous solution? I think the challenge as we move forward is how does everything fit together um, in an ecosystem that benefits the farmer? You know, how do we, how does alternative energy fit together with the autonomous solution and fit together with the data you need to make the right management decisions on the farm? That's certainly where we as uh, we at New Holland and we as OEMs are, are moving toward that and working rapidly toward it. Mark, I'm curious here on a human level, do you see a future where autonomous tractors become widespread? I think about that one a lot. You know, what, what will I see at the end of my career? I think that we will see autonomous vehicles become a a big part of the conversation, depending on what the return on investment is for that autonomous vehicle investment versus what I'm able to address from a from a farm labor standpoint. Am I able to find the people to sit in the seat and do that work versus having the autonomous vehicle? Um, I, I don't know that I've decided yet what it'll look like at the end of my career, but I, I think it'll be a significant percentage of vehicles out there. You're in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where they have a lot of autonomous vehicles. They have had them for forever. The Amish have had them for a long time. They're autonomous because they're driven by a horse and the horse is able to do it on its own. But Lancaster County is also where the cover crop coach, Steve Groff is from that we've had on the podcast before. Lancaster County is quite the place for innovation. And we've Mm -hmm. talked a lot about different hubs for innovation on season three of the podcast here. Why is Lancaster County such a place for innovation when it does come to agriculture and and sustainability and being forward thinking. Certainly it, it has to do with the, with the tradition of the County and the pride in agribusiness here. I mean, we, we sit on some of the, the most productive um, farm ground in the country. We have the drive um, here in Lancaster to on how we do more um, with our fixed agricultural land. And so it's very important to us to, to figure out how to do that efficiently. And I think it's driven by being so close to a lot of mouths to feed in, in the Northeast as well. We've got a market that's very close to us that we need to address. Address. Uh, but we're driven, uh, being based right there in Lancaster County, to deliver the innovation that keeps uh, farmers profitable, sustainable, um, and, and in business to deliver quality food and products. Mitchell, can you name another county in Pennsylvania? Uh, does Hershey have its own county? I don't think so. Does Pittsburgh have uh- a county? I just oh. find it interesting that Lancaster County, it's its like everybody knows about Lancaster it's County. It's like a thing, but like Lancaster County is like a thing. I've never been there, but I know all about it, I think. Well, and probably a lot of fans of the movie Witness, if you're a big Harrison Ford fan. 
That one I don't know. You got to go back to the Terminator movies. <laughs> Terminator only. That's all we got. That's all we got. Terminator. That's it. That's it. One, two, and three, because the fourth one wasn't very good. How's the reliability look on a methane engine versus a diesel engine? And maybe even on the tractor itself, but I'm guessing there isn't a lot of changes to the to the actual frame of the tractor. It's all within the engine. Yeah, and and really the... You know, we talk about changes to the tractor. One of the one of the other reasons that we chose this um, vehicle is that, you know, it was the best platform for us to integrate fuel tanks again to that eight-hour target that I mentioned. We could carry the fuel we need and uh, to deliver that work time. But from a reliability standpoint, certainly been a, a focus as we go through test to look at, you know, what what does it mean, you know, methane versus diesel? And at this point, we're going to say, you know, certainly very similar. I mean, when we look at the metrics on the tractor. Um, and the technical aspects, very much the same. You know, probably the only thing that we've that we've noticed and adjusted is that it's slightly less service interval on methane versus versus traditional diesel. Meaning that we move from you know we're around 750 hours today as part of our stage five emissions, and we move down to 600 as part of methane as an example. Um, so service intervals go up just a little bit. But, uh, you know, in terms of life of engine and all those things, uh, you know, no concerns that we've seen in extensive tests uh, before bringing this thing to market. Well, I was just going to say, would this thing be similar to like a, essentially a big propane forklift engine? Good question. I I would say that yeah, you're kind of you're kind of getting in the same neighborhood for sure. I mean, you're essentially taking you know what's an existing engine family for us and upgrading the elements to deliver you know to deliver a a, a different fuel type. So you know probably not that different than what you may see in in some forklift uh, forklift operations that folks are familiar with. Oh, Zach, back in uh, tractor day. During uh, my time in high school FFA, we had a guy that would drive his LP cabless tractor to school in early February. Was that an old Minneapolis Moline? I believe it was. Yeah, it was quite nice. Nice with the LP tank on it. And another another thought, uh, if helpful on the reliability question, the reason why this isn't new to us is we also use this engine in our on-road vehicles, um, primarily in Europe. So they, they've they been in market for quite a while. So we're not talking about just engines on a test stand too. We're talking real commercial hauling applications in, in real life. So when we come to market this thing in a real way in agriculture, it's backed up with, uh, with on-road uh, experience as well. But there's a lot of different uh, pieces moving together with this uh, in terms of the company and, and what we put on the road in Europe already. You talk about on-road vehicles in Europe. What do you mean? So New Holland is part of a, a part of a family of brands with CNH Industrial. So the Aveco truck brand yeah, that is uh, popular in the commercial on-road space in Europe um, and other parts of the world, of course, uh, is is really the the main driver. So they're supplied by the the Fiat powertrain engines that also power our agricultural. Uh, equipment as well. So we're able to share a lot of on-road and off-road knowledge from an emission standpoint. So that really allowed us, you know, we started talking about tiered emissions in the U.S. because of our connection and, and what has happened in emissions coming across the pond from Europe. We, we, you know, we were able to commercialize and be on top of this a lot quicker because of both off-road and on-road experience with the company in Europe. So with that, like, are they already getting to, you know, methane being involved in the gas or being available at the gas station in Europe or are they still getting that scaled up? 
Uh, well, I think two things. Um, you know, first is the the biodigester population in Europe is quite a bit higher, uh, but a lot of that is used for electricity generation today. So I think that part's still being figured out, as well as the the fuel stations. But certainly, you know, a lot closer than what we've uh, come to in North America at this point. But we're, you know, we're learning from the trends and and emissionization. I think is what. And that's probably common with what's happened here in the past, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years as we've emissionized and, and kind of followed some of the European standards with what the EPA has put into regulation. So, Mark, just with all of this, you know, on the podcast, we always are talking about sustainability and, and how this all boils down together. So at New Holland, how are you guys approaching sustainability? You know, obviously, the methane tractor is part of that. The autonomy is part of that. The heritage of Lancaster County is part of that. But what's you guys' overall approach, I guess, to sustainability in the future there? Sustainability is a key pillar of the brand. And so everything we talk about, be it alternative fuels with a methane tractor, you know, where we want to evolve that conversation, decisions in other products. Uh, for example, our, our high-density large square baler currently has a, a redesigned loop master nodder that reduces twine cutoff and results in less plastic waste. As we look at how we evolve our product line, sustainability continues to be a key focus and, and really in two parts. One is how are we using that to reduce in Input costs and and deliver ROI for our customers, and how are we going to deliver on a cleaner environment and sustainability that continues? I, I think will be a focus for all of us. You know, we can only stay in the business of agriculture as we take care of the land, as we take care um, of the people who make make all of this happen. And so that's a key that's a key pillar for us and drives all of our decisions. I thought this was has been really interesting and really great, but really cool to see how multiple different angles really come together too. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Yep. Hey, stay safe out there. So Mitchell, the tractor that you first drove, was that powered by methane? Not quite powered by methane and uh, not quite electric either. Uh, Just running on good old diesel. But a lot of our newer tractors here that we have today, they're still running off diesel, but they utilize DEF uh, to be able to make sure that the diesel that we're burning is ended up being more sustainable. But this methane deal sounds pretty cool. And of course, autonomous equipment is always a fun topic too. That's for sure. It's come a long ways from even just 25 years ago when every time I turned around on the edge of the field, I had to change the dial on the radio to get it to come in again. That is for sure. And then the worst thing is that then it gets dark and you turn on the lights And then when you turn on the lights, you're pulling way too much power from the battery. And then you have zero radio. That is the worst. That is the worst, especially when you're nine years old and you can't sit still anyway. That is a fact. Luckily, now everybody gets to listen to the Fieldwork podcast and they can just Bluetooth it and you don't have to have a radio connection at all. Problem solved. That was a good segue right there. On that note, that is it for Fieldwork today. Our show is produced by Annie Baxter with a lot of help from Lori Stern, Amy Mayer, Mike Langseth, and Corey Suzuki. Kristen Schmidt helps us out with social media. Ellie Lyons does our marketing and Lauren Humper is our project coordinator. Thank you to all the technical directors at American Public Media who help us record and mix the show. Be sure to check us out on social media where we are at Fieldwork Talk on all the usual channels. And of course, we would love it if you wrote us a review to help others find us. 
Don't forget to leave us a voicemail, call in with your comment or a question at 651-228-4810. That's 651-228-4810. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Take us out, Johnny. Johnny.